and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the kindly Matt. Hello there. Well then, Matt, um, we have the small matter of the Doctor Falls to attend to mm. this week. Um, but uh, we won't begin there, as is no. always the case. We, we never do. No, I've come to accept this now, uh, though, I, you know, obviously, I'm rather excited to, t- to get your thoughts on that later this uh, this afternoon. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't have a lot else. <laughs> don't have a lot else prepared this week. Uh, how, how are you doing this week, Matt? Well, you're lucky it's not my week for would I lie to who? Because this week has been mental. Has it? Yeah. Tell me all about it. Well, what if I told you that yesterday I attended a social gathering where the invitation was explicit that all attendees must have a moustache? I was the only person to turn up with a (laughs) moustache. Was it just a prank on you then? Uh, It certainly feels that way, but I don't really care. I look absolutely dynamite with a moustache. Oh, fantastic. I could, you know what? I could see you pulling one off. What? Check so, this out. I've just sent you a picture. Oh, okay. Let's have a butcher's. Because I was about to ask what kind of uh, moustache uh, you went for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, what do you call that one? It's the kind that goes like all the way down to the... It just looks like someone's hung a dirty horseshoe on my top Yeah, leg. I was going to say, it is, it's, it's, it's horseshoe-esque. Uh, but you've, you've paired it very nicely with, with some aviators there. Yeah, I've gone for the 80s cop look. Mm-hmm. It's a strong look on you, Matt. Yeah. It's a strong it, look. It, the greatest injustice in this world is that moustaches are derided when I look so good with one. <laughs> They'll come back. I mean... They briefly came back, but just exclusively as an annoying hipster thing. Now, here's a question. Yes. Is it appropriate for me to keep that for the family funeral I'm attending tomorrow? (laughs) I don't know that I'm the right person to ask about what is and isn't socially appropriate. Um, It it, it would certainly provoke comment, wouldn't it? I can't imagine I'll be like... Chased out of the church? Mm. Never mind. What then if I told you that this week... um, My my wife's been off work, so we've had a few day trips out. And we went to the deep in Hull, the big aquarium. Oh, right. Don't think I've ever been there. It's it's brilliant. I really, really like it. Uh, But whilst we were in Hull, we visited one of my wife's friends. Mm -hmm. Um who, I'll be honest, apparently they came to our wedding. I don't remember them. (laughs) You know, know, I'm not saying that they don't stand out, but I I don't remember them at all. And um, whilst we were there, we were having a cup of coffee in the kitchen. This this friend has a little girl who is about three or four years old. Okay. And whilst we were having a cup of coffee in the kitchen, this little girl for some reason, seems to have taken a bit of a liking to me. I, mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time. I don't really know why. I, I don't imagine I'm that endearing. But, I don't know. Um, I think you give off Jolly Uncle vibes. 
But anyway, th this little girl was obsessed with the idea that I watch her dance. Uh-huh, yeah. So she said, oh, will you, will you come watch me dance? And I yep. said, oh, maybe when I finished my coffee. And then I conveniently didn't drink any more coffee, thinking, oh, I've got away with this. I'll just go mm -hmm. home without it. Yeah. And then she kept saying, will you come watch me dance? Will you come watch me dance? And then when I was putting my shoes on to leave, she said, oh, you said you'd come watch me dance and got a bit teary. So mm -hmm. I said, come on then, be before we go out. So everyone stayed in the kitchen and there was just me and this little girl <laughs> in the living room. <laughs> right? Yeah. Where she, she turned on the Nintendo Wii and put on, I think, is it called Just Dance? The dancing game? Yeah, I believe so. And did the most provocative dance to Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. It's just the most awkward moment of my life. <laughs> Staring at me the full time, maintaining full eye contact. <laughs> just like going, da, 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 da. And I was just like, oh my God. I'm going to get locked up. And then like, when I went back to the kitchen, they were like, oh, is she good at dancing? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Really good at <laughs> I put my shoes on and just told my wife I'd wait in the car for a while. Uh. Fantastic. Um, yeah, Little Absorbaloff ju just hitting that phase where he needs an audience for everything. Um, really? We were, we were at um, local tourist trap, uh, Monk Park Farm, lo local yeah. petting zoo, um, and they've got a big sand pit there. So once you've gone gone round and you've seen all, all the animals, you can you can have a little play. And so he was, he was in the sand pit, uh, and this was literally this morning just before... Uh, we, I came back here to record this, um, and he was like, "Dada, dada, dada, watch this!" And I, so I sort of look up and I'm like, "All right, let's see what's going on here." And he's all he's done is just found a stick, put a bucket on it, and is flinging the bucket off the stick. Oh, nice! I just like, but that kid's going places. Yeah, it's a revelation to him. Um, but he insisted I, wa I I watch him do it. I kid you not, a, a good dozen times. Well, probably the most unbelievable story this week, David. Uh -huh. And again, I'm gutted I'm not on Would I Lie To Who. What if I told you this week I was awarded a medal for bravery? <laughs> I can only assume it is in the context of a video game. Nope. Here you go. Here's another picture. I was awarded a medal this week. Okay, I'm going to have a little butchers at this. Right. Okay, that's a, that's a genuine medal. Let's yeah. have a look. Um, wow. So, um, was that's just work-related then, is it? Yeah. I was yeah. awarded a medal for bravery for going to work during wow. the pandemic. Yeah. And the letter I got said that the reason I got a, a medal is because that's what they award soldiers in the front line. Ah. And that's me. Well, that's nice. Um, do you know what? Do you know what I got uh, for working for the NHS during the pandemic? Uh, COVID nineteen. No, just mental illness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just very, very unwell for a couple of weeks, um, and potentially moderately unwell for months before then. Just sort of pushing down, ignoring all the warning signs, and just really. Really, yeah. just tamping it down so I could just crack on with the day-to-day. -day. Um, on that note, listeners, you might be pleased to know, I've got a new job. Yeah. If you're wondering why there's a certain... North Yorkshire's got a new pizza delivery man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'd take it. 
I, I, I was at that point where I, would, I was ready to take anything to, to get out of that job. Just wasn't doing me any good. Um, I'd love that if you did that, because you don't even drive. I'd just love to see you <laughs> running through the town with pizzas. Just wheezing my way uh, through the streets of uh, the town. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm absolutely gutted. Like all week, I'd written those down. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is going to be a fantastic. Would I lie to you? Yeah. And then it got to about yesterday, and I was like, oh, I did last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know what, Matt? I wish you had done it this week as well, because. Uh, this this week's Rude I Lie Who for me is going to be poor. Really? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just putting that out there. It's going to it's after the heavy heights of Cigargate. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I'm matching that, and I kind of knew that going in. Um, I mean, let's be honest. I'm a less interesting man than you. I think that's... I, don't, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I, I think it is. I just think you're more accepting of life's whimsical ways. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, I, I've been a bit preoccupied this week with the whole new job business, you know, having having an interview and handing my notice in, getting that all of that sort of dotting those I's, crossing those T's, etc. So uh, the best I've managed to come up with this week, uh, Matt, for Would I Lie to Who, is, uh, was inspired by a conversation I had with my partner the other evening. Okay. Um, and it's just one of those... I mean, you must be familiar with just those end of the days, end of the day, um, brains not really firing on all cylinders. Let's just fill in the next 20 minutes before we call it a day and go to bed kind of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's one of those. Just completely unprompted, my partner asked me, what do you think is the best food packaging to open? Okay. Just, um, you know, if you've got a fresh one of something, what's the most satisfying thing to open? Um, So I'm going to give you three options for what my response was, Matt. Okay. Um, Can can I take a guess? I'll tell you what mine is, and if it's right, I win straight away. Okay, go on. Go for it. It's when you open a new jar of coffee and get to puncture the bit of paper across Mm. the top of the jar. It's a strong choice. Some may say an obvious choice. And for that reason, it is not on this list. Okay. It's not It's not mine. And, uh, yeah, it's not the one on the list. Um, so, option one for you, Matt. Standard two-finger Kit Kat. Okay. Option two. A new jar of Marmite. Mm-hmm. Or option three. One of those plastic cup drinks you used to get in junior school where you have to pierce a plastic lid with a straw. Yeah. Now, I, I'm thinking it might... I might just go straight for that. I think Marmite's too obvious because we talk about it every week. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see how opening a Kit Kat two-finger is any different to opening any other biscuity chocolate. Do you not? Are you why telling you me, play, Matt? Why are, would you... No, go on. Oh, you're th- hold on. You're thinking of the tin foil, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Where you press it down and you get the indentation. That's one way to do it. Or you can run a fingertip along the, the crevice. Oh, now, now I'm thinking it's definitely Kit Kat. 
and then you snap it apart and you know it's yeah there's I was so thinking many of options. like multi-pack where it comes wrapped in plastic and it's oh, just like no that's that's dull no no um what what's your favorite flavor of those cup drinks you see, it was a long time ago. I'd probably say orange. I was very much an orange squash kid when I was mm. uh, younger. What about you? Um, I mean, let's be honest, they're all disappointing. I, I'm going to say something that's going to bring back a nostalgia for some of our like British listeners. Uh-huh. I always went for the strawberry and ice cream flavoured Panda Pop. Oh, I don't know that I've ever even had that. Oh, if you've had a Panda Pop, you've had strawberry and ice cream. It was the mm. best one. I definitely recall Panda Pops, but I don't remember that flavour specifically. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go for the Kit Kat. I think that's the most satisfying. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that, Matt, but I'm afraid the answer is actually the Jar of Marmite. Really? Yes, because... Okay, and this is in part just because I am that much of a Marmite addict, but there is a very simple joy in just breaking that little paper seal and knowing... Uh. And I, I genuinely, I find that reassuring because I get a bit antsy when I'm near the bottom of a jar of Marmite and I'm like, I don't know that I've got enough here to actually do me a full slice of toast. Well, you know, you know you're really getting into the scrapings and there's something about I- just... I think I'm going to put this week's Would I Lie to Who to a steward's inquiry. (laughs) You don't believe me? Well, I think that's probably what you said, but I don't think it's the correct answer. I I asked you, Matt, what do you think my answer was? This isn't about what is objectively the best. This is about knowing your opponent. Yeah. I suppose you could have said, like, oh, my wife asked me what colours the sky... And I'd go, well, it's obviously blue. And you'd go, no, I said red. And I'd be like, all right, whatever. (laughs) But anyway, I did tell you it would be disappointing this week. So I've at least, you know, I've not, I've not, I've not like made false promises, I feel like. No, but you're opening quite a bit of a lead. It's currently 13 to 11 in your Mm. favour. Well, you need to pull your finger out then, don't you? Yeah. You really thought you were onto a winner last week, didn't you? You thought there was no chance I was getting the cigar. I, I was proud. Well, I wasn't proud of the fact I smoked cigar. <laughs> but I think last week's one of our standout good episodes. I, I will be honest. I am looking forward to giving that one a re-listen one day. Yeah. I feel I, I, I came away from that week feeling like we'd had a really nice chat. Yeah. It's possibly just because we'd not spoken to each other for nearly two weeks. But, uh, yeah. Are you saying you felt good because we hadn't spoken? <laughs> yes, the longer we leave it, Matt, the better it'll be. I tell you what, should we just uh, after this one? Should we give it a full month? Seven months. <laughs> Bloody hell! Um, I don't know what I'd do with myself. Like, <laughs> I, I, I've literally done nothing today. Uh oh, what to to have a day where nothing happens? I, I don't know what my wife assumes I do when she goes out, because. Like, on a Sunday, she's either at work or she tends to, like, her horses. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, have you got anything planned? And I just always go, oh, yeah, I'm just catching up with David. She probably knows you're doing next to nothing. Yeah. I mean, 
certainly I'm assuming she'll she'll come back and the house won't look any cleaner than it was when she left. Uh, yesterday she came back and I'd invited five people round and the house <laughs> was an absolute bombsite. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so there we go. That's Wood Island Who out, out of the way. Um, do you want to talk about telly or do you want to talk about food, Matt? Um, we can do food. Should we do meal of the week first? You might as well. Might as well. Um, now this has been a tricky one. I've been, I've been. Yeah, I think I know what my answer is for this one. Actually, okay. I've been, I've been tossing up a couple of possibilities this week, which I think goes so, to show that there hasn't been a any one standout. So, first question is, what did you have for breakfast today? I wonder if you can guess, Matt. Toast and a bit of marmite, and I opened the jar, and it was sensational. <laughs> now I'm about two thirds through the current one, uh, but yes, it was indeed toast and marmite. Yesterday was exciting. Yesterday I had a sausage sandwich for breakfast. Ooh, nice. But um, that's. Uh... I, I I had I went continental for my breakfast today. Ooh, did you now? I had what the French would call framboise on glass. Now, if memory serves, framboise is uh, strawberries, is that right? It's raspberry. Oh, raspberry, right. Near enough. Framboise on glass. On glass, now. Presumably that doesn't literally mean on glass. No. Because, <laughs> like, in a glass, that would be strange. Um, I'm trying to think. Is that... It's not ice cream, is it? Well, I had a raspberry ice pop. A raspberry ice pop? Yeah. Cripes. Venturing out. It was a little... I did have... I also had Marmite on toast. <laughs> what? You're not the only person. It's not like your intellectual property. I'm just saying, after all your sneering, Matt, all your right, judgmental well... comments... I had it in a squeezy bottle to make the marmite easier to come out. Oh, like come no. Seal. No. I can't yeah. believe I'm hearing this. It's like a tube of toothpaste. Oh, it's an aberration, Matt. You should never allow that stuff. you just it... got to get yourself in the 21st century, mate. No, 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 because they, they, they muck with it. It's, it's a different consistency. Absolutely not. It is. Uh, trust me. It, it, they make it runnier. It's it, if you if you put the kind of marmite you get in a regular glass jar and put that into a squeezy bottle, you know you're not going to be making much progress. They make it runny. It's now a good time to come clean, and it was actually in a glass jar. I just didn't want to dignify you with like supporting your <laughs> maniacal ways. If I knew you were going to shout at me, I'd have just said, yeah, it was in a, in a glass jar. <laughs> I have very strong opinions on Marmite, Matt. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed based on your tone. <laughs> um, okay, then. So, breakfast out of the way, then, Matt. What was your meal of the week? Well, again, this is another one where you're, you're going to deride me and shout at me because you bloody already have. I made Coca-Cola pulled pork. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw and the... you were like, oh, it looks disgusting, I'm going to throw up. You... Sometimes you can be so immature. <laughs> Sometimes. Mm. Uh, I mean, 
you've got to admit that work in progress picture you put on on Twitter looked vile. It it was just a pork shoulder in some Coca Cola. Yeah, that's weird. No, it's not because. You, you slow cook it, so you boil away the liquid, and then the sugar caramelises. It's like making a honey-glazed ham. Just sweet with a bit of savoury. Oh, I don't know. You I can't find... comment anyway, because, you know, your opinion on meat varies from, I've been eating vegetarian sausages and <laughs> cheese this week. Right? <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not accepting any criticism <laughs> on a meat dish from you. Right? You march round holier than thou, Mr. Vegetarian. But every week, you've said it today, you've been eating a sausage sandwich. Yeah. Right? And it'll have been vegetarian sausages. It was, yeah. Where you'll have tried to get the consistency as close to meat as possible, because deep down, you wish you could eat meat. (laughs) Deep down, you know this is right. Uh, if I was eating right. meat, I wouldn't be eating... If you're going to shout at me for Marmite, here we go. <laughs> Lock yourself in. I've waited... What are we on? Nearly 150 episodes for this. <laughs> We're going to have this out. <laughs> All I'm saying is it looked really grim in that picture. It may have tasted fantastic, but that picture did not sell it to me as a concept. Well, it doesn't matter, Right. You're supposed to be my friend. Have you have you ever been to a friend's house where they've had a newborn baby, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, this is this is little Johnny," and you think, "What an ugly baby!" And you have to like go, "Oh, he's beautiful, isn't he?" That's all I expect from you. Just baseline courtesy. This is this is, no. That is an unfair analogy. A true no, friend. No, 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 no. Because a I true friend, a true friend, has to has to step in. When they think that their friend is making a fundamental error. That's what friendship is really about. Okay, tell me then, Matt. As as gross as it looked, and we could both agree on that, it looked unpleasant when you were it cooking didn't. it. We, um, we, we're moving on from that. How did it actually taste? Was it good? David, it's my meal of the week. Do you not listen to anything I say? No, 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 no. But, but be specific. What What was so good about it? Uh, it just had a lovely sweetness to it. Like I say, the like, the. Uh, you don't did it actually taste about... of Coca Cola, right? Specifically, or did it just taste sugary? So if you go back to the image, right, some of yeah. it is submerged mm-hmm. in the the poaching liquor, as yes. we'll refer to it from now on, okay. and some of it isn't. Yeah. Okay. Now the bit that's submerged. That becomes really soft and tender. That's what you get your pulled pork from. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that just had a nice sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. Now, the bit that isn't submerged, because you pour Coca-Cola over it, mm-hmm. that's where the caramelization happens, and you get these lovely, like, burnt-end-like pieces of meat. And they were absolutely divine. Is this... So is the, I'm presuming you didn't come up with this. This must be a thing that other people do, and I've just never heard of it. So la- last time I did a big pulled pork, I did it in cider. Right. And that makes it, you know, obviously just taste. You see, I, c- I can understand that because pork and apples is a classic combination. Yeah, but uh, quite a common one is people do it with Dr. Pepper. Right, okay. Yeah, you see, 
that, there's a leap there for me, going from cider into the realm of your Cokes, your Dr. Peppers. Well, you, you just want that sugar content. People do it with root beer. I was talking to Jill from the Married to Who podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say hello to those guys, David? Hello. Okay. They're probably pulling their hair out at the way you've discussed this, mate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she was saying that they use root beer. You just need something with quite a high sugar content if you're going to get a nice glaze on your mints. Would you do it in tango? Um, well, probably not, because there's a... Contra- I don't know, actually, because... Maybe if I was making, like, a sweet and sour, I'd want that, like, citrusy flavour. But there's just a bit of contrast with flavour, because I was doing mine in a barbecue style. Mm. So I didn't want it to just taste of oranges. Would you do it in iced tea? Obviously not. Why Why obviously? How is that any less obvious? Well, I... I well... I'll say not obviously not. I'm not familiar with iced tea. Does it have a lot of sugar in it? Yeah. Right, then yes, I probably would. In uh, fact, in fact, yeah. whilst we're on tea, I have in the past done fish poached in Earl Grey tea because that's really smoky. Mm. Now that I can sort of understand, yeah. Oh, uh, here we go. I He's can, coming I... around now. Hmm. What sort of fish was it? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Probably, maybe something mackerel-y. Something that I would want a smoky flavour in it. Yeah. Maybe some haddock or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, look, at the end of the day, Matt, I, I, I will admit maybe I just came into this with certain biases and prejudices that are now being rightly challenged. Mm. But I don't know. Oh, I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't lie to you about what my initial gut instinct was when I saw that image. It looked like something out of a horror film to me. Yeah, but are you aware of the phrase "Don't judge a book by its cover"? I am, but it's a silly phrase because, um, you know, you can't stand there and read an entire book in a bookshop, can you? Hmm. I, I, I meant. Have have you ever heard of it on a deeper meaning than just literally looking at a book? I know, but I feel like if if people are going to use it as a pearl of wisdom, then you know, on on a on a on a surface level, it should also be accurate. But you know, book covers are specifically designed for people to make valued judgments about the contents of the book. David, what was your meal of the week? Let's just move on. <laughs> So as I say, it's been a. It's, food hasn't been my focus this week. I've been I've been a bit preoccupied. Um, and uh, yesterday evening, my partner and I, my partner had been had been out at a car boot sale for most of the day, and I've been uh, minding little Absorbloff. Um, and she'd packed up and, and, and still needed to kind of give the dog a run around. And so I said to her, Oh, Hey, well, why don't you pick us up? We'll make a little picnic and, uh, we'll, we'll all go and we'll have a little picnic dinner and little, little Zorbs can, uh, conk out in the car and we'll have an easy evening. Good plan, right? Solid plan. Um, there were only two slight issues. One was that we were desperately in need of, of doing a weekly shop. And we had basically nothing left in the cupboards or the fridge. 
so I struggled to make uh, a satisfactory picnic. Um, and secondly, neither of us bothered to check the weather forecast. And so it came to be that um, the three of us, plus the dog, were sat on the banks of the River Swale eating uh, cooked-from-frozen vegetable spring rolls in the rain. That sounds absolutely repulsive. (laughs) It wasn't my finest hour, but it was memorable. We were happy. Just trying to hold back my vomit at the thought of this meal. (laughs) How how dare you even say such a thing on our pod? (laughs) All right, shall we move on, Matt? I think we best. I think we best. I think after the excitement of last week, we're really, really going for each other this week. (laughs) The the pendulum seems to have swung. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Television highlights of the week. Either that, Matt, or you are just getting uh, like unjustifiably defensive over a piece of meat. Ah, oh, says Captain Marmite. For, uh, <laughs> how, how is the view from your high horse, David? Oh, it's gorgeous. That air's a bit yeah. thin, but... Yeah. Just be careful. Don't want you to fall off that pedestal <laughs> you put yourself on. Alrighty. Um... So, TV highlights. What's yours, Matt? What have you been watching this week? Uh, quite literally nothing. Um, oh, no, 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 no. I watched the first episode of What If, the new Marvel series. As did I. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that. I've seen some more cynical takes saying, basically, oh, it's essentially Marvel's just product testing. You know, it's, it, it's sort of the... the, the entertainment equivalent of when walkers do one of their limited edition sets of weird flavors and one of them might end up in regular rotation um but who cares i i watched it and i had a massive grin on my face the entire time sorry i thought i thought we were doing my television highlight of the week (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, it was the same one though. I think. Well, no, yeah. actually, I've got two. I've got two because I, I uh, thought the animation was really good. Yeah, it reminded uh, I, me a little bit of the Dragon Prince. Have you seen that, Matt, on um, Netflix? No, because I'm an adult. It's very good though, Matt. It is mm. worth a watch, genuinely. Yeah, I think we've established today though your perception of very good and mine are very different things, aren't they? I think we established that in episode one. When I was trying to defend Doctor Who to you for the first time. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't think if I've watched anything else. Should I tell you what you should have watched? Here we go, go on. Series 3 of Ghosts. Okay. Which uh, dropped on, on iPlayer this week. Uh, Ghosts is brilliant. It's just genuinely one of the best British comedies of the last, I don't know, at least 10 years. It is it is fantastic. Um, so well written, well performed. Just... Just a... a, 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 a undemanding, but soulful delight of a show. An absolute gem. 
everybody should be watching it. And it pains me that more of my friends and family have not yet given in to my uh, continual uh, plugging of that show. Uh, well, after a few weeks ago where I said me and my wife had been watching Keeping Up With The Kardashians, yes. uh, this week we watched the episode where Kanye West um, proposes to Kim Kardashian. Oh, it's so beautiful, David. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. If you want a nice relaxing bit of television, you can watch that. Your eyes will cry <laughs> tears like you never knew they could. Matt. Is this still about the pulled pork? No, no, no. It, it's beautiful. <laughs> what What's the most romantic thing you've ever done for your partner? I don't. I don't know, Matt. We're not. We're not romantic people. I know, but do you think sometimes she maybe would like you to be like a surprise? Have you ever booked a nice holiday without telling her or anything like that? No, I think she'd find that very annoying because she would be wouldn't have had any chance to plan. I, I, for next week, can you do something romantic and I'll check <laughs> back in? Like maybe cook a nice candlelit dinner or something. Mm, yeah, That's your homework okay. for next week. Um. It's you know you know that that is extremely difficult to do when you know it it's hard to do a candlelit dinner when you've got to feed a toddler as well. Right. Well, I, I'm free. I'm on summer holidays. I'll babysit. Yep. Just dump him in my garden or something, <laughs> and I'll I'll find him and just do something nice. You, you, I'm not saying it's not nice. We we like having our meals with our with our son. All right, well, invite him. Buy him, an, like, one of those little tuxedos that children get <laughs> and pretend he's the waiter. <laughs> well, we d- that was that was somehow related to TV of the week. So I think, I think Matt, um, let's clumsily segue into talking about uh, The Doctor Falls. Yep. I'm assuming, like last week, we didn't get many tweets. From our listeners. No, no, people have better things to do. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a particularly significant one, so uh, I don't blame no. them for giving it a miss. Right, let me just pull them up on my phone. It's mainly just me tweeting about being mad I grew a moustache. From last week, you might be interested to know I haven't gone back and started smoking cigars. Oh, good. I am pleased. First and foremost, David, before we do anything else... Yes? I would like you to pick a number between 5 and 15. 8. 8. Right. BT Flibbity Giggard, the curator himself, Uh has sent us his thoughts on this episode... Yes. But it's over 30 tweets long. <laughs> right? Okay, so if you oh, want to wow. read his dissertation on this episode, it's available through our Twitter feed. What I'm going to do, David, yes. is I'm going to read it in full to you. Uh-huh. But if that exceeds the eight minutes you have established, 
<laughs> there might be some editing going on. Okay. Okay. So this is either going to be the longest tweet we've ever read out, or I might need to do some editing. Because it could just be me talking forever. (laughs) Okay? Now, that's not to say I don't appreciate BT Flibbity Giggard's contribution. uh, Honestly, it's... it's, it's, Like I say, I can't criticise anyone for for struggling when it comes to brevity. Um, And the enthusiasm is undeniable. Okay. So, here we go. Do you want to say hello to BT Flippity Giggard before we start? Hello and congratulations. Oh my god, this episode. I literally rewatched it before writing these tweets, not because I had to remind myself of what happened, but because I wanted everything fresh in mind. It wasn't quite as pitch perfect as Rose's. <laughs> I just counted back and this is almost 30 tweets so i'm sorry as you can tell i adore the 12th doctor i adore the story his seasons tell and i adore this finale so pretty much covers every base doesn't it really cool tweet bro what's next oh wow (laughs) wow he got his own special live rendition of the famous (laughs) cool tweet bro I don't have to edit that in this week. That'll save me a bit of time. (laughs) Okay, next tweet comes from Amy. Do you want to say hello to Amy, David? Hello, Amy. Amy says, I love it. It's a crushing episode. Moffat found the perfect way to end the character of the Master slash Missy. I love the Who I Am speech. One of my fave scenes ever is 12 battling Cybermen in the woods. When Capaldi says, I'm not a doctor, I'm the doctor... You feel it in your bones. It's an iconic shot. Yep, definitely. Say the line. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you're going to have to do it live for all of them. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay. Next up. It's the original. It's JMO Numero Uno, who's changed his Twitter name to James Not So Swift. <laughs> Excellent. It's James Courtney. Say hello, David. Hello, James. Okay. James says, Heaven Sent may well be the best episode of this era and of all the show, but this one is the most perfect episode of the era. Mm. It perfectly ties up everything in a satisfying way. I completely love the tone of this episode. There is a feeling of dread. No good choices are left. But the Doctor still has to choose. This allows the episode to beautifully encapsulate who the Doctor is, as he so brilliantly puts it in his speech. The Cybermen get to be different as the unstoppable force, as opposed to last week's horror, but it still adds tension to the story. Moffat excellently tidies up continuity by introducing the inevitability of the Cybermen. We can keep having origins for them now. Bill's story is incredibly sad, but I love that she at least gets a happy ending, Nardole gets a nice conclusion as well. John Sims gets to have the best performance as the Master, much quieter and more controlled than before. Obviously, Gomez, Capaldi, Talalay and Moffat are all on top form, and then there's that surprise ending. One more thing, the ending for both of the Masters was perfect, just perfect. 
The only downside being that we can't have more of Missy as our own deranged version of the Doctor, fighting for good whilst happily killing to do it. And then he goes on to some spoilers for Loki. He says, This episode was something that people like to compare with Loki and Sylvie's meeting. You can see how they are the two masters. All righty then. Yeah, I, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm still behind on Loki. I've I've seen the first two. Mm. Isn't that because the like the town where you live is closer to the black hole, so time passes a lot slower where you are? <laughs> Could be. Could You're be. just a few floors down, aren't you? Yeah. Um. But anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting thoughts as always. Thank you, James. Um, cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay. Then we have a message from Kimberly. Say hello, David. Hello. Okay. Seeing Bill after conversion is just heartbreaking, and Pearl's acting in the scenes where people are scared of her just because of the conversion is magnificent. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, my brain went there for a second. Please edit that bit out. Uh, cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay, then we have a message from Lydia. Now, I owe Lydia an apology uh, because last week when I read out all the tweets, uh, I I missed Lydia's because there were so many. Okay, uh, it wasn't no intentional. Worries. I apologise profusely. Um, I'll even accept that Marmite is the most satisfying food to open if Lydia says so. <laughs> okay. So, Lydia says, this is my favourite finale out of season 8 to 10. Absolutely gut-wrenching. It just keeps throwing one emotional punch after another. Mm -hmm. That speech he gave to the Masters was so genuine and heartfelt. And if you look back to Deep Breath, he really has come a long way. If there was no Twice Upon a Time, the scene of the Doctor lying in the battlefield looking at the sky would have made a beautiful, albeit tragic, ending to this era. Mm. Indeed. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay. Next tweet comes from the Married to Who podcast. Say hello again, David. Hello again, David. Hey. We haven't seen Captain Comedy for a few weeks. I thought thought I'd give him an airing. It's good to lighten the mood after we've just basically shouted at each other for an hour, isn't it? Yeah. It'll be interesting to know how much of that makes the edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to put in little sound bites of you, like, going, Hi, Matt. I am. It's going to sound like a Cyberman. <laughs> I am happy this week. <laughs> right, that's today's episode. See you next time. Yeah. Right. So, the Married to Who podcast, I believe this will be Jake, says, mm -hmm. Every actor crushes it. A farm in a spaceship is the most moffety thing ever. The Master Missy ending is great, but they get a little lost in the middle of the story. And the Deus Ex Water Pixie ending was weird. And then they've given it a score of good with bad bits. Hmm. Interesting. Is this is that the first one we've had with anything major negative to say? Uh, I think so, so far. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, cool tweet, bro. What's next? Okay. Now, you might be a bit disappointed here, David, because mm -hmm. you know how many tweets we've read out? Yeah. It took that long for James Swift to reply. He has not been Swift this week. Shocking. Shocking work, James. Okay. Okay, so I've said a lot about quoting Capaldi. This is my favourite one to quote with the speech he does. Mm -hmm. Also, fun fact, all episodes... Sorry, all 12 episodes in a series written by Moffat 
feature at least one Cyberman. Pandorica opens, Closing Time, Nightmare in Silver, Death in Heaven, Hellbent, and this one. Yep. It is a weird little factoid, but it's it's true. Right. David. Yep. We're on our final tweet. Are we? Have you, Matt? I want to save the best till last. You know it. You know I have. <laughs> David, it's Marty McLean. Hit the music! Marty, Marty, Marty. Marty, 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 Marty. M-A-R-T-Y M-A-R-T-Y Marty, 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 Marty Marty I've been inserting a little theme tune for Marty each week now. I look forward to hearing that. Again, you do know that will not be sustained if I take over editing again. (laughs) I'll, I'll put the files in the Google Drive. Yes, where I would dutifully ignore them. Anyway. Um, How uh, dare you? Marty McLean, when you read the message that Marty McLean has sent us, I think you'll be quite sad that you've said that. Oh, it's no slight on Marty. It's just the fact that I'm very lazy when it comes to editing. That's the only point I was making. All our listeners are sharpening their pitchforks hearing you speak that way. <laughs> right, what's Marty got to say this week? So, Marty says, Good day, lads, because Marty's from Australian. He, he is, yes. Roughly translated, that means hello, David. Right, okay, okay. good to know. Uh, he says, just finished watching it, but if you record before I have time to collect my thoughts, just know that I love this episode even more than last week's. I used to be a bit iffy on the Puddle Girl, Deus Ex Machina, but now I find it charmingly whimsical. He says, it's an all-out 10 out of 10 episode. I'll have a few more thoughts that I'll have to save for next week. I, for one, can't wait to hear them. Yes, indeed. Um, so that 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 sort of gives you an idea of uh, where the rest of the fandom sits with this one, Matt. Uh, generally speaking, people really enjoy it. Uh, so the question is, where are you ranking uh, the Doctor Falls? <sighs> Might go good, some bad bits. It's about where I am. Oh, I might even go back to last week's new rating. Just everyone calm down, okay? This is okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I get why everyone raves about World Enough and Time. And I will gladly admit that there is a lot of very good stuff in The Doctor Falls. But I don't think it's perfect. Um... And especially on rewatches, the first time it hit me really hard on rewatches, I've started to th- feel like maybe it's a little too slow uh-huh. in places. Like it's not as flabby and self-indulgent as Deep Breath, but I feel like it barely earns the extra fifteen minutes on the runtime. Yeah. I, I kind of feel they just gave it that because it's a finale. Yeah. Like, the story didn't really need it, did it? No. So, it, there's just... There's a lot of moodiness and, and stuff, but it's like... But because the vibe as well is, is overwhelmingly quite bleak for a lot of it, it's not... 
it's not always a, a, a satisfying watch for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we're saying it could have done with being shorter. Mm. I think perhaps the t- extra time it had just could have been used better. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say my favourite thing about this episode, and yeah. I can't remember, I think it was Jake from Married to Who who said it, every performance is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, everybody smashes it. And I just think if we had a bit more time of just people acting rather than Cybermen clunking their way through the town, you know, it, it would be a more satisfying watch. Potentially, potentially. But having said all that, I don't want to dwell on the negative. Overall, I think it's very, very strong. And I would say probably Moffat's best series finale since series five for mm-hmm. me. I think it it, it it knocks any of Matt Smith's other um uh other finales, you know, out of the water. And probably both of Though I, I do actually really love uh, Dark Water and Death in Heaven, and I don't think that gets quite enough love. Um, but, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I think it's I think it's probably Capaldi's best finale and uh, Moffat's best since, since uh, series five. Um, but yeah, so that all being said, shall we get stuck into it? Okay, so the Doctor Falls. This is episode twelve of season ten. It is. From the 1st of July, 2017. Written by Stephen Moffat. Directed by the always excellent Rachel Talalay. Yep. And we begin in a lovely countryside. Mm -hmm. There's lots of scarecrows. And we see that they are the patients from last episode. Yeah. And part of the shot we can see is a beautiful blue sky. And the number 507. So we can yeah. see this is one of the flaws from the spaceship from last week. And can we just pause on that just for a moment, take a step back and appreciate how absolutely gloriously bonkers Doctor Who is. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine any other TV show starting with an establishing shot that shows, here we are in the beautiful countryside, but it's on a spaceship... And there are cybernetically enhanced hospital patients being used as scarecrows. Yeah. No other TV show in the history of television would do that. And it's just like... But the thing is, you don't... Because it's Doctor Who and we've been watching it so long, you almost don't bat an eyelid. Yeah. Just how just, mad it is. It's just the usual sort of silliness, madness, isn't it? Yeah. it's uh, So I just wanted to kind of... Because that really that was the thought that struck me as we went into the titles this um, this week. Well, I was just like, yeah, you just wouldn't get that on anything else. Yeah. yeah. So we see that these scarecrows, the patients have been attacking a little small holding. And when they do, they're shot and then chained up as scarecrows. So they're not being used to scare away crows. They're literally yeah. being tied up so people can see them so we can monitor what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
there's a little girl who, as she goes for a little walk, there's just a big rocket tears up through the ground. And from the smoke, there's a Cyberman carrying the Doctor. Mm -hmm. So we figure it could be Bill. But that seems to be the iconic shot of this episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's we 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 we, from that post uh, after the credits we kind of jump back in time a bit, don't we? And that's kind of the moment we're leading back up to. Yeah, yeah. So after the credits, we see the Master and Missy. Yeah, and they're questioning the Doctor on how he choose to die. Yes. Okay. So based on his previous deaths, they're Mm -hmm. giving him the option. And then we see, again, another short cutback where they'd been beating up the Doctor after last episode and Nardol managed to run away and escape. Yep. Okay. Then there's a good little chat about how he became her in terms of the Master becoming Missy. Mm -hmm. And thankfully it doesn't spoil it, so we don't know what's coming. No, uh, that's an important thing to remember with the Master's regenerations. Unlike the Doctor, we don't... There is no definitive sequence, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's quite important, actually. Yeah, so I know it's the end of this episode, but we don't actually see him become Missy, do we? No. So there could be four or five incarnations in the middle. Yeah. Okay. The Doctor asks where Bill is, and I've just made a little note that says the Master and Missy are fantastic together. Yeah, it's just uh, John Sim is clearly having a whale of a time Mm -hmm. just being able to come back. And uh, let's be honest, being given something a bit better to work with than a lot of his scripts in the RTD era. Like he made the best of it, but he must be preferring being being able to like play classic evil mastermind versus standing around in a dump chattering about meat. Yeah, well, he's a bit more sinister rather than just being loopy, isn't he? Yeah, and like doing magic jumps and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so they tell the Doctor that Bill is the Cyberman and the Doctor missed her by two hours. He was two hours late. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We find out that the Master had taken charge of the destroyed city we saw last episode. But when the people rose up and overthrew him, he had to hide as Razor. So that's why he was living as Mr. Razor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, as the Cybermen are called by the Master to attack all the humans on the ship, they instead begin heading up to where the Master, Missy and the Doctor are. Because when the Master had been beating up the Doctor... The Doctor had leaned into a keyboard on a computer and changed a 1 to a 2. So it's the number of hearts yes. that they need to... Now, that made me think, if he'd left it at 1, would the Cybermen have been, like, shooting cats and rats and everything else? Who Presumably there were other parameters to help them identify humanoids, because... You know, time time lords externally appear human. Mm. So that's my only guess there. But yeah, basically the plan is to just kind of widen the parameters so um, the Master and Missy are also 
now targets for the Cybermen. Yeah. So, as the Cybermen... Can, can, can I say as well, it, it does make me chuckle. Capaldi's, like, frantic typing with his hands crossed. Yeah. Like, you, the, even the Doctor can't possibly be be confident that he's doing anything useful. <laughs> he's not even looking at the screen. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right, so this is where we get the first of many... I think, sort of standout stellar lines from this episode. Yes. Where the Doctor says, look, there's only one thing that can stop that many Cybermen. And then he sort of throws his hands on his hips in a heroic pose Mm -hmm. and says, me. Yeah. Okay. So, we, at this point, see that Missy is claiming to be good. She knocks out the Master. Yes. Uh, and says, you know, look, I'm working undercover, I'm on your side. And the Doctor still doesn't really believe her. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's 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 hard to, isn't it? You know, we know, we know her track record. Yeah. Okay, so whilst the Cybermen begin to approach, Nardole appears on the shuttle that we saw earlier. Yes. So, Cyberman Bill holds off the oncoming Cyberman army. The Missy and Master Combo commandeer the ship with Nardo. Mm -hmm. And I like when the Master gets on. He's like, "Um, the Doctor's dead. And he told me he always hated you. And then (laughs) Missy gets on board and goes, yeah, the Doctor's dead. He said he always hated you. And Nardo's (laughs) just like, yeah, I heard you the first time. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. It's just that little nugget that sums up all three of those characters, I thought was yeah, really good. Yeah, it's a great little moment, that. Okay. So, the Doctor collapses outside of the shuttle. Mm-hmm. And Bill prevents it taking off. She's holding the ladder that they were all climbing through. And the Doctor says, look, I'll be able to fix all of this, don't worry. This is where we catch up with the scene from earlier. This is where the shuttle comes up through the floor. And we get another really strong scene where Bill is talking to that little girl's mum as a human. She doesn't realise yet she's a Cyberman. Yeah. Okay, until the next day the girl approaches again, but this time with a mirror. And later the Doctor arrives... And Bill doesn't remember her conversion at all. Yeah. So what I think I th- we really need to highlight uh, Talalay's direction in the way she cuts between uh, Cyberman Bill and you know just regular Bill, mm. and like you, it, particularly that pan down from Bill's face into the mirror. Yeah. And then we see the Cy- the Cyberman face reflected back at her. Such simple visceral horror. Um and let let's talk about like do you think uh, up until the end Bill basically has the roughest go of it of any new who companion. Yeah. Yeah, just just a series of things going very wrong for her, isn't it? She's had a really bad innings, I feel like. 
Mm. Um, if you think, if you total up all the things that that have happened to her over the course of this series, culminating in, in yeah, being turned into a Cyberman. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But uh, what almost goes without saying, Pearl Mackie's performance exceptional. Mm. She's so uh, good in this. I, I don't think I really noticed it until this episode. Yeah. But I think it's later in the episode where Bill, as a Cyberman, says, look, I'd rather die if I can't be me. And it was then when I realised, sort of through the whole series, more than any companion I can really think of, they do do a lot to establish who Bill is. Yeah. And, you know, that she is quite an individual and, you know, she just lives to enjoy life. If yeah. that makes sense. She is. She's like, she just wants to be accepted for who she is. She, yeah. She's, she's, she's got that innate curiosity that obviously the Doctor finds so appealing in uh, mm. prospective companions. But... Yeah, there is so she's such a memorable companion. Um, like if if you think back to I forget the episode, you know, London's frozen. There's a big fish. Yes, you know she talks. I believe oh, that is the title of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think episode four, London's yes. frozen. There's a big fish. Yes. Um, you know she talk talks quite openly about how she won't be accepted in terms of her race. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's episode seven, they go to Scotland, there's also a big fish, but this time it's on land, um, <laughs> where she talks about her sexuality and acceptance. Yes. So there are nuggets every episode about Bill just wanting to be Bill. Yeah, yeah. I think there's more to talk about there, but we'll probably save it for uh, our, our Series 10 wrap-up. Mm-hmm. In a couple of weeks, um, but yeah, I just kind of want, wanted to give, give the the, the uh, obligatory weekly shout out to Pearl Mackey for mm-hmm. being amazing. Um, yeah, right. um, so, so sorry, the doc the doctor comes to see Cyberbill. Yeah, and says that her brain rejected the programming, just yeah. in the same way it did with the monks when mm-hmm. her mind was too strong for them. Yeah. Okay, now she gets mad at the conversion and yeah. blasts through the barn. She does. And again, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pull, hit pause again so we can discuss the other reason why this story is problematic for some people. It is basically that moment. Because if you look at it through a critical lens, essentially what you have here is... A, a black woman who has been the victim of violence being told that she can't be angry about it. Mm-hmm. Now, that those thoughts would not have been going through Moffat's head when he was writing that scene. And I do think it's a very powerful scene and very effective, but... If you look at it from that angle, you can see why that would be upsetting for some people. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I again, I, ju- I, I all I wanted to do really was just acknowledge that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily 
detracts from this episode, but but uh, I think it is worth worth acknowledging yeah. that uh, Moffat just didn't doesn't doesn't think about things in that way, and it you know it shows sometimes. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the doctor, you know, tells Bill she is a Cyberman. Yeah. And she cries a tear. And we get that little line of where there's tears, there's hope. Yes, indeed. Yeah, which we've had before. So the master arrives to taunt Bill. Mm -hmm. And we get a sad, slow version of Bill's music. Yeah. I've I've said all along, it's probably my favourite Doctor Who music. I noticed Mm. it straight away this time. I do think this series is is one of Murray Gold's best scores taken mm. as a whole over the series, and it's a great shame. It's actually the only series of New Who to never have a, an official soundtrack release. Oh, really? Yeah, and and it was just because there was this kind of the the soundtracks would take a while to come out. You know, about a year after the the. Um, the episode because I think like things would be rearranged and re-recorded for for the final release and stuff like that. And basically, after the almost as soon as this series finished airing, you know the wheels were in motion for the changeover. And I think basically the green light was just never given. People weren't thinking about it. The the, the machine that had been in place up until uh, then you know, that meant that every series would just kind of, root, like clockwork, get its its soundtrack release. That kind of just ground to a halt. And so it's never had one. Right. So it, yeah. it, it was literally like the show had ended and a new show had taken over, even though they're the same name. And yeah, it just pretty, got lost pretty in much. the shuffle. It just got lost in the shuffle because uh, it's worth remembering, like... Uh, Murray Gold was one of the only continuous things to to kind of carry over from the RTD years into the Moffat years. The, the knew who up until that point had never had a different composer, so there was some continuity there. But um, yeah, spoiler: this is his last series working on the show. Um, it it really is a very radical shift in personnel that we get going into series eleven. Mm-hmm. So we see in the little town on the spaceship, Nardole leading the troops. Yes. And that becomes his kind of role for this episode. Yeah. He's the liaison with the people of the town. He said it himself. He's secretly a badass. Yeah. Well, there's one woman in the town that certainly agrees with him. (laughs) Yes, we'll, we'll discuss that more in due course, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Now we see that the doctor is quite heavily injured, and we see his regeneration energy appear again. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where Bill says, "You know, we aren't getting out of this alive, are we?" And she says, "I don't want to live if I can't be me anyway." Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it really isn't it. <sighs> Again, it, this is why I love the Cyberman. It it, it it challenges you to think about what does it mean to be me? What does it mean to be a human being? I could, I could almost read it, read it almost uh, in the same way you might think about something like dementia, for example. Yeah. You know, it, that, that loss of the self. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a fair 
fair comparison. Yeah. Um, but and, I, yeah. when when she says that, I, I don't want to live if I can't be me. Yeah. Like this is where I thought, oh my god, Bill's dead. Because yeah. I was like, well, the only way she can live then is to go back to being her, which can't happen. <laughs> so yes. I I yeah. sort of said goodbye to Bill at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So we see Missy and the Master have found the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Missy presses the button to call the lift. Yes. Which the Doctor doesn't really agree with because obviously it's coming up rather than down. Mm-hmm. So it could be full of Cybermen. Yes. Okay, and it's not just got Cybermen in it. It's the modern design of the Cybermen. Yeah, they've got an all shiny and stumpy. Yeah, yeah. The better design, isn't it? Oh come on! Do you not? Do you not like? I, I said that knowing fine well which button I was pressing. Then. <laughs> right. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be careful with how I make jokes like that this week. It's, <laughs> you know, if there's no episode on Twice Upon a Time, I think people will know why if they listen to this. <laughs> right. So, yeah, modern Cyberman approaches, and there's no safe way to get to the TARDIS, mm-hmm. okay? They can't go up, because if they go up, they're not there to defend the town, and they can't go down to the Master's TARDIS, because it's just got Cybermen all around it. Yeah. Okay? So, again, an alarm sounds... And Cybermen rocket upwards through the mm-hmm. floors. Yeah. So it's it's good to see them flying again, isn't it? Yeah, Moffat is has dug his heels in there. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Cybermen flying out, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. All those fans that have been like, oh good, good old Mondasian Cybermen. We don't need all the jetpacks and silliness. <laughs> yeah. There you I think, go. I think you get about twenty minutes before one flies through the floor. Yeah. Okay, so Missy suggests that they use the Master's TARDIS, but it's at the bottom of the ship, and the Doctor accesses a maintenance duct that's going to help them get there. And whilst he's doing that, Nardole effectively perfects weaponry. (laughs) Everything becomes a weapon because they're on a spaceship. Yes, yeah. And, and that's as much explanation as you get. He just throws an apple and he explodes. And he goes, well, everything's a weapon on a spaceship. Uh, I think there's a little more to it. Isn't it to do with, like, I don't know, uh, like, the, the, like you've got all these, like, tubes and uh, carrying, like, fuel and combustible things, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes can... sense to me. He... Yeah. Because I, I don't know, maybe is it not the apple... That actually explodes, but he uses it as a marker for where yeah, he wants no, the explosion to happen. Um, yeah, the Doctor makes some reference to the fact that, you know, like human Cybermen, you know, they're susceptible to a bit of theatre. Mm. You know, so that's what the apple was. It was theatre. And I actually like on that level, because it, um, it's the little girl, isn't it, that he gives? Yeah. Was that later? I think it is the little girl. Yeah. Um, so you've got this kind of like very unsubtle symbol of kind of like innocence and purity, a little girl holding a shiny red apple. 
and then uh, yeah, yeah, blowing up a ton of sand. It's just a it. bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So the master explains that his TARDIS is broken, and we get a little bit of Bill and Ted magic here, where Missy says, "Well, if it's broken, I'll remember it's broken, and I'll bring the correct part." Well, uh, it's deliver. It's it's all about the delivery that scene, isn't it? Mm. Because as she says, uh, uh, I remember one time a very scary lady shoved me up <laughs> against a wall and said, always carry a spare dematerialization circuit. Yeah. Um, and then the little, the little cap on that scene as well, uh, when John Sim's like, uh, uh, is it wrong that I... Um... <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that's one of those jokes that Moffat throws in. Yes. Just for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he'll have been sat at home in his big armchair, playing yeah. chips on his knee, laughing his head off at that. <laughs> well, I, I, he's the kind of person who, uh, I'm sure he'd be like, well, we must address it. The fans must know <laughs> whether the master fancies himself. Yeah, but, like, I, I don't know. Obviously, it's like science beyond my understanding. But I think if I went, mm. if I went back in time, say two days, and yes. met myself, so it was quite close to me now. Yeah, I don't think we'd be jumping in bed with each other. Maybe not. But what? But what if you you were you were Lady Matt? I don't know. I just. I, I, I don't think anyone but Moffat was thinking that. <laughs> you know. Well, we by the end of the scene, he made sure we were all thinking I about suppose, that's, I, that's the important thing. I suppose it does come up in Loki. It's just handled slightly better, isn't it? I, I wouldn't know. Mm. Right. Like I say... It, when your end of the spaceship moves away from the black hole, hopefully, yeah. we'll be able to talk about that. Oh, we will. I, it, it is high on my list to... to uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the second episode much more than the first. Uh, Are you only on episode two? Yeah. <laughs> I got grief. distracted by ghosts. Good grief. Right. So, this is where the little girl's mum, again, talks about how much she likes Nardole. Yeah. And at first he's like a little bit oblivious, but then there's a kind of hint that he likes it. Mm -hmm. um, so they're having a little chat, but then the girl's mum attacks when Bill approaches. Yeah. She thinks it's a Cyberman who's broken it's, through. The I think that lines. before before we get there, I think that's the, is that the scene where he sort of sort of cautiously says to her, "You do know I'm not human, right?" And she just says, "Well, I'll try anything once." Yeah. 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 Just so. No uncertain Again, terms Again, like... It, I oh, don't even yeah, know if that's funny. Like, yeah, it's not, it is. It's not it, rude enough to be smut, but, like... <laughs> like, who who's waiting for that joke? Uh, no, I mean, Moffat ten, Moffat's tenure is nearly over, and if we can conclude anything from it, it is that he is a horny little goblin man. Yeah. <laughs> I please tell me he's not in charge when we get Capaldi into Whittaker. 
<laughs> I don't want to see Capaldi turn into Whitaker and then Whitaker like hold her breasts and like go mm, nice. Yeah, I said it before. Like I I I feel like you could conceivably have had Matt Smith regenerate into a woman and it would have been time. Possibly even overdue even then. But with hindsight, I am very glad that it wasn't Moffat handling the first female doctor. Yeah. Because he would be handling the female doctor. Yeah, we yeah, we it wouldn't it, it wouldn't have been good. Um anyway, you'll find out soon enough, Matt. You'll find out soon enough. Right, um, so yeah. night falls and the Cybermen arrive. The Master and Missy tell the Doctor he can't win and he says he knows. They try to leave it, mm-hmm. but the Doctor wants to have it out with them once and for all. And we get a big talk about doing what's right, what's decent and what's kind. And it, yeah. it it's the bit of the episode you put on a pedestal, isn't it? It is, understandably. I mean, we know we know that Capaldi can do these speeches really well. Like, it, it's become a bit of a hallmark of his era at this point. Um, but the substance of the words in this particular speech, I think, are significant and special. You know, the conclusion there, I do what I do because it's right, because it's decent. And above all else, it's kind. Just kind. That is so important. So important. And and there'll never be a time in anyone's life when it isn't worth being reminded about the value of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um and, and especially you look at the last few years the world has had. There's there's a lot of kindness going around, but it's still not enough. We could still do with more. Um, and I think this that speech really does give us a good encapsulation of why people love this era so much. Why people love Doctor Who as a whole so much. Why the Doctor as a hero is so unique and different and special. You know, there there have been, you know, fiction is full of fantastic, wonderful hero figures who are all interesting and compelling and heroic in their own different ways. And I'm not knocking any of that. You know, we talked at length about Marvel and it's something that we both enjoy and have in common. But... The Doctor, I feel like, is is unique as a heroic figure in fiction. You can't imagine a speech like that coming out of Tony Stark's mouth. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I need to say more than that about it. But, it, 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 yeah, I, 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 I am entirely in step with the rest of the fandom when it comes to that speech and how how important it is to me. Uh, I will also say there is an excellent meme uh, that, uh, that I stumbled across once uh, where someone had taken that speech and copied the cadences of it, but just talking about uh, 
big uh, uh listening to big finish uh it's basically along the lines of um god knows it's not because it's cheap because it hardly ever is <laughs> i listen to it in big finish because the stories are good just that the stories are good <laughs> uh really did make me chuckle but um yeah no it's it's uh, it is up there with with the most iconic of iconic 12th Doctor moments, and with good reason. Well, it ends with John Sim pointing at himself and going, this is the face of someone who didn't listen to a word you've just said. So there's oh. one There's one person who didn't like that speech. Yeah, and oh, I mean, Sim delivers it perfectly, but don't you just want to clobber him mm. in that He's moment. He's a bad egg. He just is. Like, he is, without doubt, I think the nastiest master. Not necessarily the most ruthless. But it, it's because but... if if he was like... Uh, is it Delgado, the old master? Yeah. Where he's just a big brute. But because yeah. he's like little and handsome. Yeah. Like he gets away with it. He says it with a charm. Yeah, but but he's also like it, it's interesting, and this is something that is consistent all the way through his era, uh, his uh, incarnation. He is probably the most openly misogynistic mm. of any uh, version of the master. He is really unpleasant. Like there is a suaveness to Delgado, I think. Um, and then there's, you know, Ailey, who I don't think you've seen yet, but is is kind of quite campy and and fun. But Sim is just, yeah, there is a very surface level oily charm. But underneath that, just, he's just horrid, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, a, a, a perfect delivery. Perfect delivery in that moment. And... Again, significant, because you've then got that direct point of comparison. The way he responds to the way Missy responds. Where there is hesitation. See, I thought when Missy's leaving and she takes the Doctor's hand just for a second. Yeah. I thought she was going to give him the part of the Master's TARDIS that's missing. Mm. So he can't escape. I thought it was going to be another one of those, look, I'm on your side, but let's yeah. not tell him for a second. I, the thing is, I think, ultimately, even in that moment, she hasn't quite been able to make up her mind. Mm. The, the whole thing is, she's uh, she's been torn the whole way through this story. Um, oh, Michelle Gomez is so good. Yeah, yeah, I'll second that. Yeah. So the Cybermen begin to approach and Nardole and the villagers kill quite a few of them using the spaceship mm-hmm. and they then use a change of tactics. The Cybermen go from simply upgrading people to simply attacking them. Yeah. Okay. So they're not interested in capturing people anymore. This is going to be a slaughter. Mm-hmm. So the doctor tells Nardol he needs to lead the evacuation. If the people stand and fight, there will be no survivors. And the doctor plans to blow up the entire floor to wipe out the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. 
and Bill opts to stay with the Doctor. Again, it goes back to, I don't want to live if I can't be myself. Yeah. So if somebody's going to stay behind and fight, it might be someone who's got nothing really left to fight for. Yeah. So the Master and Missy reach the lift that's going to take them down to their TARDIS. And Missy now reveals that she remembers being the Master, being cruel, being horrible. Yeah. And as she's saying this, you get a subtle facial change from John Sim because we see that Missy has stabbed him. Yeah, stabbed him in the back yeah. whilst giving him a hug. And we get that old line, without hope, without witness, without reward. Mm-hmm. And Missy tells the Master it's time to stand with the Doctor. Yeah. And so she's finally made her choice. It's time to do what's... Well, as Missy says, what's good. Yeah. And the Master says never. He'll never do it. So he shoots her with his sonic screwdriver that's just a yeah. gun. It's it's a laser. It is a laser screwdriver. And he has used it to yeah, physically attack people before. Yeah, I thought we'd seen it before. Yeah. But then they have a good old laugh at the irony that, you know, they're both so evil <laughs> that it stopped them winning, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. I mean... It could never have ended any other way, could it, with those two? No, no. It was always going to be a horrible outcome. Yeah, and I kind of... That's why I think when people say it's perfect, like, it it really is. It just... It feels like the final piece of the puzzle. It fits that well with those characters. So, the Master goes down in a lift. Again, we Mm -hmm. don't see him turn into Missy. So yeah, could be could be a few steps along the road before he gets there for all we know. And we see Missy laying dead, for want mm-hmm. of a better term. So again, we don't see her regenerate, so we Missy could be the last one. Yeah. Okay. So Nardol leads the survivors away whilst the Doctor fights Cybermen. You know, he starts shouting all the places he's ever beaten the Cybermen before. Yes. And he says, I'm not a doctor, I'm the doctor. Mm -hmm. And when he's shot, he begins to regenerate. Yeah. Except he just shouts, no. (laughs) Yeah. You know, doesn't he say, let it go, time enough? Yes. And ultimately just blows that floor of the ship up. Yeah. Yeah, so... There is a yeah he he doesn't want to regenerate I think because he's just I think he's just tired mm. you know I don't think it's anything more than that So Nardole watches and begins to live among the survivors Yeah he every time sorry Nardole watches the lift yeah. And lives amongst the survivors. So he's adamant one day the lift doors will open and the doctor's going to walk through. Yeah. But he started his new life amongst the survivors. So that's kind of his conclusion, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice that we get a bit of a happy end for Nardole, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's grown on me. Yeah. I Look, I'm not saying... That Nardo is like the greatest companion ever, or anything like that. I, he he isn't, but I think he's such a key ingredient to this series. He's just, he's just that little extra, uh, you know, smattering of flavour. 
if you like, in the in the overall stew of this series. I think I feel like if you took him out of it, you you'd you'd know you'd feel it. Like if that makes sense. That probably doesn't yeah. make any sense. I don't think I'm very articulate at this stage today. Um Right. Yeah. So Robot Bill approaches the doctor and begins to break down. Mm. And it starts raining. It does. Because old Star Eye's back. Hey! Well, he's Star Eye the Conqueror. Yeah. We get Deus Ex Puddle Girl. Yeah. So, Bill has an out-of-body experience where she kisses old Star Eye. Yeah. And that turns Bill into a puddle monster herself. Yes. So, they take the Doctor back to the TARDIS. Yes. And Star Eye invites Bill to go travelling. Yes. And she's like, oh, I can show you some things. And Bill's like, look, I've travelled. I can show you a thing or two. Mm -hmm. So we do get a happy ending for Bill. Yep, she got the girl in the end. That's nice. Um, Okay. Honestly, though, Matt, how did you feel about this as an ending for Bill? Um, Well, I just thought... Companion. Yep. Befriends... Another young lady and goes yeah. travelling the universe. Now, where have I heard this story before? <laughs> yeah, I wondered whether you picked the up the doctor cinema. doctor thinks doesn't know about it. What mm. is... Hmm. Imagine if old Star Eye was like, oh, do you want to come in this diner with me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is very much a bit of a retread. Um... What bothers me most, actually, rather isn't that. It's more just the fact that there is no attempt to seed it beyond what happens in the pilot. I think it, it would have been so easy to just pepper the occasional little moment into other stories, this series, to just remind us, of like, oh, maybe we're not fully done with that whole plot line. Yeah. Maybe there's something else happening B- there. Bill doesn't even miss her. When she's dead, yeah. they're soon over it, aren't they? Yeah, they, she never talks about Heather. It, it, and like I say, it could have been as simple as just, you know, you see something in the background and then the camera lingers on it for just a second. You see it's got that star pattern in its eye, you know, and it's just like, oh, it's it's Heather. She's still out there. She's still watching for some reason. Maybe for sinister reasons, maybe not. We don't know. That could have been an interesting little thread. And then when you get this conclusion here and it actually it's just just a beautiful little dose of fairy tale romance to tie off Bill's story in a bow and and give us a happy ending for her, which is sorely needed after the horror, the absolute horror that she has had to put up with for let's let's not forget about 10 years of her life. Yeah. In this story. A long, protracted amount of uh, misery and suffering and waiting and hoping only to have the worst possible outcome. So um, I I do not begrudge Bill her happily ever after. One iota. Um, But I do feel it could have been handled a little more gracefully. Yeah, (laughs) because once old Star Eye's dead... The yeah. very next week, they're off to Earth's first colony. It's just like, ah, it's all right. I'm over that now. Let's go on a spaceship. Yeah. So just, yeah, we just had a little bit more, a little bit of yearning from Bill 
and just little seeds to 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 make it clear that maybe there was going to be something here but it very much feels like Moffat was just like oh how do I get out of this one oh yeah I basically invented a god in episode yeah. one so uh <laughs> let's just let's just wheel her back out um and fix it all so fine but like I say Bill deserves it I'm happy for her um yeah yeah so finally Bill says the doctor can't die everyone needs him too much yeah. And to bring him back to life, she does a little cry on him. Yeah, that's and nice. It's exactly the end of the Pokemon film. Pikachu does, <laughs> a, li- does a little cry on the ash, and it brings him back uh, to life. Little magic cry. That's nice. Uh, uh, yeah. So then we get the final scene. Yes. So the Doctor wakes up. He remembers everything. So we get to see all the old Doctors again. Uh, we see all the companions. Yeah. You know, he says, I don't want to go. He says, I remember when the Doctor was me. Uh, Sontaran's perverting the course of human history as well, which is a classic one. Is it? Yeah. Uh, so he stops his regeneration again. Yes. Which, you know, he seems pretty good at by now. Yeah. And the TARDIS takes him somewhere where he's going to stay. He says, yeah. I'm sick of this. Just take me somewhere where I'm going to stay. And this is the planet we see at the start of last episode where he crawls out of the TARDIS yes. in agony. Yeah. And it's a snowy wasteland. Because mm. it's the 10th planet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You've done it again. Oh, Matt, yeah. I'm, g- I'm just going to show you this random old episode. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means everything, David. Yeah, I really wanted you to 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 see this one for for this exact reason. Um, there you go. It's old uh, old uh, Bradley's back. Yeah, first Doctor appears. Yeah. Says I'm the Doctor. I'm not a Doctor. I'm the original, which is what Capaldi had said earlier. Yeah, that's again. That's a that's a classic line. Yeah. So, you know. One one more little little self indulgent swing of the back bat for Moffat. Yeah. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, yeah. I don't. I, other than like um, the special one, we haven't seen a multi Doctor story, have we? Well, let's think. There's the first multi Doctor event in Yuhu is the. Children in Need mini episode time crash. Oh yeah, seen that. Um, then yeah, no, then it is just the day of. I mean, technically, you could say the name of the Doctor is a multi Doctor story as well, and you see them all sort of running about for a minute. Yeah, and then you get the War Doctor reveal at the end. I don't think I'd count that. Yeah, so then you got yeah, obviously Day of the Doctor, and. Yeah, no, we haven't had anything since. So, yeah. I, I, multi-Doctor, always something fun and exciting. Just done a multi-master story. What, you know, what more can you do? And, okay, not everyone loves the whole recasting the first Doctor thing. Yeah. But there is precedent. The The first Doctor was recast for the five Doctors. 
Yeah, and I've seen the press ago. pictures for the Five Doctors where Tom Baker, yeah. they've just got the Madame Tussauds waxwork. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't... I, it doesn't bother me, um, it, it, at least on paper. We shall wait to uh, see how, how I feel about it in practice and, uh, more importantly, how you feel about it, Matt. So do join us next week when we will be discussing Twice Upon a Time. We probably won't. Podcast cancelled. <laughs> oh, much, come on. It too was... much falling out. It wasn't that bad. The listeners are going to get all het up. If you edit it all out, they're going to they're going to be speculating. I, I won't lie, David. I put a message out mid episode on Twitter yeah. when we were at about fifty five minutes, and yeah. I said fifty minutes of this and me and David arguing. I've had enough, and people have <laughs> asked whether it's bigger than the the famous big argument me and you once had. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't think it is. I, I'm going to cut out all the arguing. And just leave it as a mystery. I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. Let's edit it out so that nobody ever knows except us. Yeah. But uh, to be clear, listeners, we have made up. We're, we're good friends, really. And uh, I, for one, am very much looking forward to talking to you next week, Matt, about Twice Upon a Time. Yeah. I'll be here with my new co-host, Rupert, having a <laughs> lovely discussion. <laughs> yes, well, tune in then for, for that, listeners. Um, if you want to know my thoughts, like, I don't know, ask me on Twitter or something, I guess. Uh, but until then, as always, thank you so much for listening and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us our email address is time nor space pod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at time nor space pod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor who theme